Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Hey, BTP buddies, here's a podcast I like. It's called Light Me at Five, and it's hosted by people I like, Dean Jernigan, Jason LaFoon, and the world's oldest intern, Rusty Nixon. Light Me at Five takes you backstage into the lives of two stand-up comics and, of course, Rusty. You will hear about shows that went well and shows that went to hell. The guys also have local comedians on the show, so you can get a feel for the local scene. On the last episode, Jason talked about a play he saw in a mall parking lot. You'll just have to listen to this one. I LOL'd in the car. Check out Light Me at Five on all the podcast platforms. If you like it, smash that subscribe button. If you don't, that's okay. Just keep your mouth shut about it, all right? Light Me at Five. It's a good one. My guest today is uh, Dr. Nina Krauss, and she is a scientist, inventor, and amateur musician who studies the biology of auditory learning. She is the founder and head of Northwestern's Auditorial Neuroscience Laboratory. Dr. Krauss has performed innovative studies with thousands of people from age zero to 90 and uncovered numerous aspects of the auditory system, including its underlying brain mechanisms, the way musical input influences our ability to read and learn language, and how conditions such as autism, aging, and HIV affect sound processing. She has a wonderful new book out called Of Sound Mind, How Our Brain Constructs a Meaningful Sonic World, and that's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and a lot of independent outlets. Dr. Nina Cross. Nina, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for inviting me. So I have to say this is, uh, you're not a comedian, um, and I normally interview comedians, but we were on another podcast together, one of my favorite podcasts, Highbrow Drivel, which is hosted by Anthony Jeannot, and I just got so into what we were talking about, I wanted to continue the conversation, so I'm going to try to just pigeonhole your science into comedy and see what comes out of it. What do you think about that? Great. <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I've, we talked uh, quite a bit on uh, Anthony's podcast. As a matter of fact, I kind of took over, and poor Anthony didn't get to talk very much. But I was uh, I was very blown away by how sound in our how sound affects our lives. And we talked about my my deafness and how you know the the lack of sound has affected my life too. And I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the book first of all and i want to make sure i get a picture of that up here look at that there's a real one and there's mine this is what it looks like when you when you look for it on the web it's uh of sound mind how our brain constructs a meaningful sonic world let's let's talk about 
the impetus of the book? Why, why did you write the book and what are you trying to accomplish for folks who read the book? Well, this book is for uh, my favorite audience, which is a, um, a curious, uh, intellectually curious and spiritually curious person mm-hmm. who is not a um, you know, not necessarily a, a, an expert in, on sound and the brain, but who deals with sound every day, and we all mm-hmm. do. And you know, it turns out that sound is really important for almost everything we do, especially it it connects us with the living world. Mm-hmm. And um, as a biologist, there are good biological reasons why this is so. So I, I really um, I, I want wanted to bring to the book the the awe that I feel about um, just what the sound mind does, how mm-hmm. it is that we make sense of sound, and you know I think in this time where um, we are often disconnected and not especially empathic, uh, sound. It, sound is our guide. Sound mm-hmm. can be our guide, and sound connects us. So my my job in the book is to show how it is that, um, from a biological standpoint, sound helps make us who we are, and also what we can do as individuals and uh, members of our society to. Mm-hmm. Um, help all of us have the soundest mind possible. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. And that's what I'm getting from the book as I read it. I, I, I did mention that I wanted to try to turn this around. So it is about comedy. So let's, let's talk about comedy and comedy is, you know, we're both music fans. You're, you're, you're a musician and you grew up with music. You know, I got that from the book and you really, really enjoy uh, a, a wide variety of music. So let's let's talk about comedy. So one of the things that comedians tell you to do when you're a new comedian every time is to record your set. And if you don't record your set, you don't know what you said, you don't know what got a laugh and what didn't get a laugh. But we record our sets and we listen to them and we listen for the laughs. But I think that being totally aware of what is going on during your set would be where the laughs aren't sometimes and where you're listening to maybe a sigh, uh, somebody like, uh, not this crap again, uh, or um, you're listening to breathing. You're, you're, you're just listening to people breathe. Or you can, one of the things I've noticed is you can, it's almost an audible thing when people lean in. And, and uh, there, there's a different, it, it changes the resonance of the room when people le- lean in. Is there some, it, it, can you speak to that a little bit? Because that was one of the things that I started listening a little bit closer to my sets and other people's sets. There's, there's a difference when people are really paying attention versus when people are just, you know, it, it's more background. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one of the the reasons that, that comedy is so, um, is so fun and, and, and effective as a way of 
um, uh, of being in the world is that it is a performance and it is in the moment. So, you know, the idea of, of going back and listening to what was going on, I think is, is tremendously important because, um, you can better understand this thing that, that you can't otherwise capture, you know, I mean, with sound, sound is, is, um, uh, is, is, is fleeting. It's invisible. Um, and, and the only way that you're going to get a sense of, um, how you came across and the other sounds that people were making is by really listening carefully. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that a big point in my book is that the hearing brain is vast and, um, and, and it engages how we think and feel and move mm-hmm. and how we incorporate information from our other senses. So if you have an audience that is engaged and is moving with you, um, you're getting all kinds of, of cues and it is engaging their whole hearing brain, which, as I say, is is vast. Mm-hmm. But I cannot un- understate the importance of a performance and the fact that it's in the moment. I mean, you and I right now, mm-hmm. you know, we are everyday improvisers. You know, you and right. we don't have a script. Yeah. And 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 that's what makes it exciting. I mean, you yeah. know, who knows what'll happen? Right. <laughs> And, you, you know, I get one of the things that I do when I can, you know, somebody will put out a Netflix special and then that Netflix special will go to audio. They'll make like an album out of it. And I really get a different feeling from watching the video with the audio and listening to the audio by itself. A lot of times I get, I understand, I understand more when I just listen to the audio because there's nothing distracting me mm-hmm. uh, from what's being said. And you, you hear the laughter more, you, you understand the punchlines and the setups more. And that's one thing that I do when I'm studying comedy is, you know, I, I like to watch it both ways because the way we present ourselves, the way we deliver and being physical on stage is important too because you have to draw the audience in. If I just stood behind the mic and, and held the mic and didn't do anything, any movement at all, um, that wouldn't, that works for some people's acts actually, but it wouldn't work for my act. So, but listening to it audibly just in, just uh, through an album, it's a much different experience. Of course it is. It, it really is. And, and, uh, and I think one of the ways that scientists do a, a terrible job of talking about their work often is that, you know, they're, they're in one place, they're hidden behind a podium. Um, often the, the audience is not even looking at them. They're looking at some screen that's off to the side and, you know, the, the poor person who has traveled across the globe to be there is kind of in the middle in the dark. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we have that so, so wrong. Um, and, you know, I think we, we have so much to learn mm-hmm. from people like you who do comedy, who do comedy live and who are communicating with an audience because, um, 
there is, yeah, there are the words that you say, um, but there is everything else that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and I think, so sound is, it, it, it enables a certain kind of communication that doesn't happen when you are listening to a recording. Mm-hmm. You know, as you're doing something live, um, you know, this is something that uh, Ian McGilchrist calls betweenness. And, and it, it's, it's something that is in constant motion and it's reverberating. It's back and forth and back mm-hmm. and forth. And, and it is about as alive as we are and we can be. Mm-hmm. And um, th- there's something very beautiful and human about that. And I think that we are spending in our lives way too much time, um, you know, listening to things that aren't happening in the moment uh-huh. and, um, and, and, and being um, distracted, if you will, from the in the moment kinds of communication that sound live sound mm-hmm. enables. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to get off the comedy part for a little bit. One of the things that interested me as I was reading the intro to your book is that uh, you, you became enamored with sound early and you decided that was what your career was going to be. And uh, mama wasn't so happy about that to start out with. Can, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I love to tell that story. So Again, one of the things I hope that I get through in the book is that um, science is a deeply human endeavor. Mm. Science is conducted by human beings. And so, you know, in, in this book, I tell a lot of stories about the human beings and the human beings' lives um, that are, you know, part of the scientific discovery so, you know, I, I, I started out, so I, I grew up in a house where um, more than one language was spoken. So um, there was that. And then my mom was a, a, a musician. So sound was tremendously important. I began when I went to college, I majored in comparative literature. And then I learned about um, about biology. I just took a, a distribution requirement and, and was was hooked. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then I, I discovered a book called The Biological Basis of Language, which seemed like a really nice way to marry the literature and the interest in biology. So I went to graduate school. And one of the first things that I started doing was I was measuring sound processing in the brain mm-hmm. and measuring something called a two-tone suppression in the auditory nerve, uh-huh. uh, which is a very esoteric um, idea about how neurons fire when two sounds are happening at the same time. And I remember telling my mom what I was doing and what I was studying. And, 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 you know, she, she just kept asking me, you know, Nina, what, what are, what what are you, what are you doing? And, and I realized that at that moment, really, it, it was so clear to me that, if I couldn't explain to my mom how I was spending my time, I didn't want to be doing that thing. Mm-hmm. 
And, and that has been a, a guiding principle for me and, and a guiding principle in science and in communicating science is that there's always a part of the science that is rooted in concepts in the real world and, and in concepts that, that um, anyone, like my mom, um, mm-hmm. who is not a biologist, um, could, could understand. So, you know, so from, you know, from there I, I started, um, studying learning through sound and mm-hmm. looking at the activity of, of single neurons and seeing how the neurons change their firing patterns mm-hmm. when the animal learned a task that was, that he cared about it mm-hmm. was relevant, you know, food was coming. And, you know, to me, and this is something I could explain to anyone, I could explain to my mom, um, you know, look, um, sound changes us. And, and we can see it firsthand, you know, neurons are, are the, uh, the currency of the nervous system. And if you can see the same neuron respond to the same sound in a different way, once the sound has meaning, that is direct evidence that sound and our lives in sound change us and they shape who we are. Mm-hmm. So I would compare that to taking the little maze that you ha- have a mouse run through to get a piece of cheese to, instead of a maze, it's like a bell or something like that, right? Yeah. So, so I don't want to say Pavlovian, but, uh, you know, kind of you, you hit the bell and I know they're going to get some cheese if they do something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and, and that's just so basic, you know, because, um, you know, we have a sense in humans that our experiences matter. But how 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 can we look at this and how can we look at this biologically? And of course, um, you know, as the 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 chapter called the quest in my book is really about a, a search that I have had for many years and with my the, the lab that I, I work in, we call ourselves brain volts. And I um, really encourage anyone to uh, who's interested to, to visit that site because um, if, if you just look for brain volts, B-R-A-I-N-V as in uh, voltage, uh, brainvolts.northwestern.edu, um, you'll find that, that again, it, it the, the the, it, it's a labor of love, and it's written for for parents and teachers and kids. Um, and you can go as deep as you want, so you can mm-hmm. get to something as um, specialized as two tone suppression mm-hmm. uh, in the auditory nerve. But it'll take you a while to get there. Um, but really, our audience is to communicate our discoveries to um, you know to, to 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 the people who are interested in them. And I, I find. You know, when I just like like with you, when when we had that that uh, that that previous interview, uh-huh. and I, I find if, if so, if you look at the home page on our website, you'll see that we study music, we study bilingualism, we study uh, concussion, uh-huh. uh, we study uh, aging, we study reading and development, um, so many things. And you know, you might wonder, what are they doing at Brain Vaults? And it's all under the umbrella of sound in the brain. Mm-hmm. And I realize, you know, that, that people are, are interested in that. Of course they are. Mm-hmm. So how can I communicate? That's why I wanted to write this book, 
-hmm. and it's my first book. Uh, I hope you like it. Um, I do. You know, how, 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 how can I communicate what we know about sound in the brain in a way that affects all of these different aspects mm -hmm. of, of our lives? I will have to say that if you are going into brain vaults and you want to learn things, there's a lot of rabbit holes you can get get uh, uh, taken down and you can, you think you're going to spend 10 minutes and you're there for an hour. I was, I was there for an hour earlier today looking at the concussion stuff. So. But let me just say one thing. Um, so that not every, I mean, I'm really glad you spent an hour there. That, that's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> um, but, but what we did, cause we realized that there is so much there and is uh, we've created uh, on, on the upper right somewhere. There's something that says, uh, Take the brain, take take the tour, take the brain volts mm -hmm. website tour. Yeah, and I yeah. it's a two minute little video thing that um, I encourage people to look at because it'll help right. you find what you're looking for. And I, I hope right. you you were looking for concussion. Yeah, and it's really neat that you've got every piece of subject matter. You've got a brief synopsis with uh, the sliding pictures for, for everything too. I think, you know, that's, that, that's really good if you just want to get a, a good overview and see what you're going to see if you dig into some of the uh, studies and articles. Yeah. So if you have a kid and you're, the kid wants to know, um, why should I practice my instrument? Mm -hmm. They should can look at the slideshow and it'll yeah. give them some good reasons why it's a, it's a good idea. Right, to, right. To now, keep making music. Yeah. Now, one of the things that came up um, that I thought about when I wanted to talk to you is there are some very, very good comedians that are very aware of the um, the tempo, the timber, and the you know the way the way they emote, and that is that became their act. So let's take two extremes. Let's take Mitch Hedberg. So Mitch Hedberg was very low key, um, very um, low energy. And yet his voice drew you in because of the delivery, the tempo, the timber, the pace. I mean, that was, that was as much of his act as his writing, I believe. And then on the on the other side of that, you got somebody like Sam Kinison, who just screamed all the time. And if he didn't scream, he wasn't funny. Yeah. So it's it's amazing how both of them. I mean, they were both very aware of what they were doing up there, but they didn't. They did it. They came about their laughs in a very different way. And mm -hmm. I I wanted. I don't even know if I have a question there, but can, can you comment on that? Can you uh, talk, maybe some comedians that you've uh, seen that are very good at the delivery part and the emoting part? Yeah, well, Maria Bamford is is pretty great. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And, and, you know, and one of the things that she does so well is is imitate voices. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, that that's a whole skill yeah. in itself. Um, but, but, you know, I, I think it's like, like anything else. Um, and, and that's something that, um, we can understand biologically that, you know, we, we are all different people and uh -huh. we hear the world differently. One of the things that we're able to do is, is measure the brain's response to sound 
and then play back the brain's response to sound. So you can actually listen to your brain and my brain and the brain of any of these comedians that you've men mentioned. And you will hear that, you know, given the same um, song or the same whatever sound it is that you're delivering to the person, the brain response is going to be different. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, and so, you know, our approach to the world is individual. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what makes comedy so fun and one of the things that makes it so interesting are the, the different ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if everybody, uh, you know, was, was understated and everybody was a mimic and everybody shouted, um, it wouldn't be as interesting. But, right. you know, right. it's, it, the, there, you can bring anything to the stage. And, um, and the hard thing is doing it well. Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, in, oh, in, in, I know in, that, you know, what kind of music do you like? Um, Me? I mean, well, I mean, just in general, that's a yeah. question that's, that's, that's often asked. And, right. and I think the best response is good music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, what kind of comedy do you like? Good comedy. Good stuff. Yeah. What, what kind of food do you like? Good food. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think as, you know, thinking about these, comedians that are very aware and of of how they emote the way they speak the way the way they do a punch like like a, a Jerry Seinfeld on on one side and like a uh, Tammy Pescatelli on the other side you know she's very she, she talks with her hands a lot but she also you the voice goes up and down and and that's without you know Maria does you know so many different voices she has that great I, I don't remember what it's called but she has this great thing on audible about um the the book she was putting together and yeah I, I how, how to be was, a comic or something yeah, yeah it was just it, it, it was fantastic great. Yeah, and a lot of voices in that, but they, um, when when they're aware of that, they they seem to, you know, I I watch comedians of a lot of different levels, and I I can see when they get aware of how they're coming across, and uh, also making sure the whole audience hears them, and making sure they're not mumbling and things like that. It's amazing how they progress once they know that every word that they say is coming across. But this is really important because, um, you know, as, as you're um, speaking, as you are um, doing a comedy routine, as you're playing a musical instrument, um, this is, again, why the sound, the hearing brain is so vast, because mm -hmm. you are, um, you're hearing what you're saying, and then you are adjusting your musculature and all of your movements and your emotions and what you're thinking is going on in the moment. You're mm -hmm. adjusting all of that based on what you hear. Now, comedy clubs. One of the things I talk to a lot of comics about is what clubs they like and what clubs they don't like, and not, not by name, but how they're set up. One of the main rules for a good comedy club is it has a low ceiling. Uh, sound doesn't bounce around too much. There's good sound dampening. The stage is about, uh, it's about 
14 inches off the ground and your audience starts at about five feet away from you. And if you don't have that, if you have a high ceiling and you've got, uh, you've got the kitchen so close that you can hear, you can hear pots and pans and you can hear the cooks yelling at each other and things like that. It totally takes away from the experience, but you get a really good comedy club where everything is perfect and you don't hear the stuff in the kitchen. The voice goes where it's supposed to go. It's, it's a great experience. And I don't know if I have a question on that one either. Well, let me, let me just respond to what you're saying. The, the sonic environment really matters. And in fact, just today, um, I, the, the LA Times published a piece I wrote about um, how human-made sound um, influences uh, animals and plants. Mm -hmm. So part of the, the, the lived world, um, a week or two ago, I wrote a, a piece uh, for the Wall Street Journal, which was about human-made noise and how that um, affects other humans biologically. So um, the fact is that noise is um, can, can be damaging in mm. so many ways. It can be damaging in, in a comedy venue because it gets in the way of hearing, first of all, what the person is saying. Mm -hmm. And of course it's distracting because um, you know you want to be with that person, and you don't want to be listening to dishes in the in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, so the sonic environment really, really, really matters, and and it matters, I think, in in clubs and places where music is played. And uh, you know, again, one of the things that is is one of my disappointments often is you know you can be in, in a beautiful club where the acoustics are wonderful and the music is awesome. And then there is an intermission and they, during the intermission, they have to be blaring sound over the house speakers. Yeah. Um, you know, something that's pre-recorded. And I mean, you know, you're there because you, you, you love sound and you want to hear sound, but uh -huh. you also want to be able to connect with the other people that you're with and talk right. about the performance you just heard. And, you know, I so often find, that this kind of blaring of sound in these venues really gets in the way of, um, of, of the communication through sound, which is the idea of that venue in the first place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. Now, one of the things that I haven't gotten to in the book yet that I, I'm just fascinated by these studies that you've done with, you know, babies up to, uh, you know, 90 year olds, when you look at a baby and you look at how the brain is reacting to all these different sounds, have you seen how they start piecing things together and knowing what different sounds are and, you know, separating the noise from, you know, um, mama's voice and daddy's yeah. voice and things like that? Yeah. In fact, you know, we can really see this biologically very clearly, you can see that as a, a child develops, first of all, the sounds that are important to them, the sounds of the language they speak, um, become reinforced and 
um, the sensitivity to other sounds that are irrelevant kind of dies away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, as we get older, we become more specialized and more tuned to the things that are important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also, you know, we learn how to, um, um, to ignore sounds that aren't relevant in order for us to be able to, you know, understand each other in noisy places. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that our sonic history, um, really influences that so if you're if you are someone who makes music regularly um you um are actually especially good at hearing in noisy places Mm -hmm. uh, because you have a very tuned sound mind um so you know all of these things matter and and what is again i think very beautiful is that as a biologist we can see this firsthand in people mm-hmm. and see how their lives and sound has influenced how their brain responds to sound when they're babies, when they're older. Um, and uh, that's just, just great fun. Right. And what are we doing as a, as a population to dull that? What, what are we doing to make our sonic world smaller and not as not as vibrant as it could be i think one of the things is is that we're we're very visually biased um so and 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 it it makes a lot of sense in in some ways because you know a visual object has um you know a a shape a size a color it's Mm -hmm. very tangible Mm -hmm. um sound is invisible uh and yet it consists of all kinds of um, ingredients like pitch, timing, timbre, phase, loudness. Um, and we are less aware of that because it's invisible. Mm. And, um, we also, as our world becomes more and more noisy, you lose the ability to hear sonic details, Mm. you know, if, and, and, um, and, and, and that's kind of sad. I think as a species, we're, we're losing the ability to listen and we're losing the ability to pick up on, um, on, on the details of, 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 of a sound and of the many sounds that, that surround us. And, and this is something mm-hmm. we can do something about. Now, that doesn't necessarily... So, you know, hearing loss is one thing, but being able to pay attention and understand the sounds that you're hearing is another thing and and that's what we're losing right we're we're we lose that when we when we don't i I guess exercise our our hearing minds so that we can you know disassociate the the sounds that that are extraneous you know, you've you've said that really, really well. Because one way of disassociating your mind with from the, from the world is if it's noisy. But mm-hmm. also, if you have a hearing loss, you also are uh, not engaging how you think mm-hmm. as well. And so, you know, we actually know that if you have a hearing loss, it's not just that you're not hearing the world as well, but you're, you stop um, understanding the world as well and uh, relating 
to to each other. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I know you you said you have a, a hearing loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and and you know, the, the the good news is that that the the sound mind is very malleable, and mm-hmm. um, you know you, you you can learn to make sense of the sound that you get. And, um, but of course one wants to be able to, um, get the best quality sound, um, in the first place. Mm-hmm. You, one of the things that we talked about in uh, Anthony's show was the, the use of ambient sound, of, for both, uh, adults and babies. So this is, this is something that, that my wife and I started using because the, the sounds around us were just too much and they were waking us up. And, and so we started using one of those, uh, white noise machines and it's something that, um, my daughter used for my, uh, for my, uh, grand, both my grandsons. And, you talked about that and how that is actually damaging. And uh, can, can you expound on that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I, again, talk about it in, in, at some length. I consider it in, in, in the book from a biological standpoint. Um, you know, and again, there, there, there are no answers like, you know, should I use a noise machine or not? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 the answer is always or as often it depends Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the, and, and also it depends what the, the, the noise is. Um, but for a developing brain, um, we know that, you know, kids are so good at making sense of sound and at learning a new language, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just kind of amazing, yeah. um, whether it's their, their native language or another language that they're exposed to, they just, they just do it. And so if you can imagine what it's like for a baby or a child who is exposed even while they're sleeping to meaningless white noise, um, there's no meaning in that Uh sound. And so the brain is trying to extract meaning from the sound, but it's not there. Uh And we know from a biological perspective that it actually dulls the hearing brain. Mm-hmm. So that that just doesn't seem like like a very good idea. Yeah, that's a, and it's a it's really about the worst time that you can do it to start start dulling the brain because that's when their neurons are firing the fastest. So you don't want to you don't want to slow that down because uh, that that slows everything down for a kid. Yeah, but it's it's true. I think at at any time in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and this is where you have to be balancing things. It is important to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as, as an adult, you can make certain choices. You know, and again, as a child and as a parent, you can decide that, um, you know, you would rather your kid learn to find his thumb and to soothe himself even when it's noisy because this is our world. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we're adults, we can make whatever choices we want to make. And I would say certainly something we don't want to do is to be listening to completely meaningless sound, like just static, Uh um, that if you're going to be masking um, your 
environment, uh, you can at least be listening to um, you know sounds that have some meaning. Mm -hmm. What can we do? So I'm I'm 57. I am. Let's take away the fact that I'm that I've got some deafness and but uh, you know my a lot of my problem is uh, paying attention to the sounds that matter because the other sounds are taking over. So if the microwave is going in the kitchen, then I can't hear my wife talk to me. Absolutely. And, and how, what are some things that we can do to retrain ourselves to start honing in on the sounds that matter versus the noise? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, I would really do what you can in your home or in your environment to minimize the background noise that is not necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just keep asking yourself, you know, is, is that necessary? I mean, do you need to have a noisy microwave? Do you need a microwave at all? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but, 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 and, 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 you know, if, if there were a market for it, there would be hair dryers that are quiet. Uh-huh. Um, and, and people, you know, would, if they, again, if they understood what it was doing to their sound mind to be just listening to all that noise, Um, you know, I, I think that people would be, would be willing to pay more for, um, you know, devices that, that are quieter. So that's, that's one thing, but the other is, you know, what can you do? I think you can do whatever you can to strengthen your sound mind. And the way that you strengthen your sound mind is to be involved in activities that, um, engage, sound so making music making any kind of music um and singing counts and i you know i would certainly say comedy counts Uh you know you you are engaging with sound every day and you are listening to these nuances and sound and the more you can do that you're really training your 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 strengthening your sound mind Uh Uh, you, you can you can learn uh um, new uh, languages um, or just um, <clears throat> uh, speak the languages that, that you might already know. Mm-hmm. You can be a sound engineer. You can right. uh, be a bird watcher, which is really a bird listener. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so, so there, there, you can listen to your children. Uh-huh. You, you can um, really make a, it a point to engage to be in the present and to engage with sound knowing that the sound mind is vast and it Uh very much makes us who we are and it very much affects the outlook that a person has between you know them and the living world so it's like a mindfulness of the sonic world around you I think that's a really nice way of putting it. Yeah. Okay. Almost, you could almost call it meditation, but meditation, listening to what's going on. And yeah, I mean, think about, um, so, so every morning I, I try to play a little music mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and I guess I realized, you know, I get up in the morning and morning is not my best time. And often I don't feel especially hopeful in the morning, mm-hmm. but if I can get myself to just um, play a little piano, mm-hmm. say, um, even for five minutes, 
I will feel so much happier. So, you know, it clearly has engaged, you know, my mood, uh, my entire sound mind. But if I feel like just, you know, sounding out something or improvising something or reading a score, I am focusing. I It is a meditation. Mm-hmm. It is clearly a meditation. You're there in the moment and everything else recedes. And then when you're done meditating, um, you, you feel better. Mm-hmm. I wake up every morning to Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. That's mm-hmm. my... <laughs> that's that's how I get positive. So mm-hmm. we, we've all got our thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, thinking about the fact that we, you know, we... We've dulled we've dulled ourselves to a lot of things just because there's so much media and stuff like out, that out there. Is there a value to just having complete silence for a while? Well, there's hardly ever complete silence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I like I'm not advocating for a world without sound. Mm-hmm. I'm advocating for a world without um, unnecessary man-made noise. Right. But is that um, like a, pal- a palate cleanser? Like if, if you, if yes. you turn all the, all, all the crap off. So mm-hmm. right now I hear you, I hear the fan on my laptop. I, uh, I hear my voice bouncing around a little bit and I've got you right over here. I've got another monitor over here that is, uh, that's got your intro on it that is taking my attention away. I've got a bobblehead myself yeah, yeah, right yeah. there. There's, there's just so many things that take us away from. Yes. But, 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 but think about comedy and how you use quiet. Mm-hmm. Timing. Yeah. <laughs> to, 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 to make your punchline. <laughs> I mean that, and 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 also when you're making music, it's the space between the notes that are as important as the notes themselves. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the 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 dynamic change between sound and quiet is incredibly helpful and useful, and and is part of um, is certainly part of comedy and part of of also the rhythm. Mm-hmm. as we as we speak um so the 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 quiet bits are really important yes those those dramatic pauses definitely make a lot of jokes better and also allowing for the audience to laugh yeah yeah making sure you're getting that getting something back for what you put out there yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So if I was to make myself a better listener, what three things would you say I should do now? Uh, keep doing comedy. Okay. Yeah, um, you've never seen me. <laughs> yeah, keep keep doing comedy. Um, <laughs> you. Know, Make some kind of music. Okay. Doesn't matter what. Um, um, maybe learn or speak another language. Uh-huh. Um, and I think 
ask yourself always when you are, you know, you are in a position to curate your sonic environment, mm-hmm. ask yourself when you hear a sound, is this necessary? You know, do I, do I need to, um, you know, have a sound happen every time I, I open and close my car? You know, mm-hmm. absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we can disable those, those sounds. They're distracting. And, um, and, and, and think about it from an evolutionary standpoint where, you know, sound is our alerting sense. It alerts, alerts us to danger. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think one of the reasons that you feel, you, you notice when your refrigerator turns off or the truck outside stops idling and it's mm-hmm. silent, you, you kind of, you take this sigh of, of relief because you are unnecessarily often in this state of alarm. Mm-hmm. And this is not, it's not good for us. It's not good for us from all kinds of biological stress um, perspectives, but it's not good for us in terms of, I mean, it's hard enough to think, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it really gets, gets in the way of our yeah. ability to think if you have this, um, this racket going on. Uh-huh personal experience so i i'm a comedy lover from way back and george carlin was one of my favorite comics but i had a real hard time watching him i didn't appreciate his comedy unless i just listened to it because he made some weird facial expressions that for some reason just didn't work with me and it's it's kind of funny that you know even now if i watch a a george carlin clip i don't i don't really enjoy it as much as if i I just listen to it Mm -hmm. yeah and i i think um you know i think but before we we got on the air we were talking a little bit about uh, reading and reading audiobooks Mm -hmm. and um you know I, i think that that there's really something to be said about um you know, the fact that, that evolutionarily um, organisms have been listening and communicating through sound for hundreds of thousands of years. And we've only been reading for maybe 5,000 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we are, we're, we're so thoroughly and wonderfully tuned to sound. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all that, you know, if, if there is a comic that you really love listening to. And, and, you know, I mean, comics used to, you know, just be on the radio. Yeah. Um, right. And, 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 and that's wonderful, you know, so, mm-hmm. so that, you know, you have the theater in your own mind of, um, um, of, of, of all the loveliness that can be um, elicited by the sound. Mm-hmm. It's funny when I listen to an audiobook, especially if it's fiction, it tends to I I can paint a better picture of the my imagination opens up more when I'm mm-hmm. listening to it. As if it's a good narrator. Now That's had, I, it's just yeah, like- I've listened, yeah, I've listened to a few that the narrator just took me out of it. And but if it's a good narrator, like there's a couple of Stephen King books that uh had good narrators and there's a couple that didn't that weren't quite quite as good and it's amazing how it it can either take you out of it or it can just totally expand the story 
It matters. Yeah. Sound matters. Yeah, and the uh, the the old timey radio stuff that was that was so important. I I think that you know I I miss those days, and that, that's why I like podcasts. You know, I listen to fiction podcasts too, serial fiction, and that's 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 interesting. Uh, to I, I still get listen to well. old radio, Johnny Do Dollar. You? you ever listen to Johnny Dollar? No, huh? Yeah, check him out. His, so what? what yeah, this was must it? have been done. I don't know in the. 50s or something uh-huh. it was just a radio show that was um about this insurance investigator johnny dollar oh cool and, uh, and they go through his expense reports and you know uh-huh. as, as he uh, uh tracks down all kinds of uh very exciting mysteries but oh, really? you know the, the entire story is is just uh you know it's just it's it's beautifully and fully uh-huh. Um, illustrated yeah sound yeah well i can't tell you how much i am entranced by the book and i i'm just so glad that you know anthony introduced us and and we got to talk on his show and i got to talk to you some more because you know what you're doing is really really cool stuff and uh folks if you don't do anything, just go to Brain Volts, and I got it up there. And you can type Brain Volts into Google, and that's the first site that comes up. But it's brainvolts.northwestern.edu, so, but and that's really great. And make sure to check out of Sound Mind how our brain constructs a meaningful sonic world, and get it wherever you want to get it. But uh, if you can buy it from an independent bookstore, try that. Thanks so much for being on the show. This is this is great. I I I'm just Ever since we talked last, I've just been thinking about sound and trying to get better at listening and hearing and understanding what's going on around me. Oh, I'm so glad. And, and I, I think I think everybody that reads a book is going to probably have a takeaway of, hey, let's 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 find out what the important sounds are and get rid of the ones that aren't so important. Well, thanks, thanks for inviting me, and thanks for your your interest. Yeah, yeah, I had I had a great time, folks. Um, make sure make sure to check out Brain Volts, and uh, in the show notes, I'm going to have links to all this stuff. So make sure that you get on there and uh, check that stuff out.